Welcome back into We're Talking tonight. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, um, lots of, I mean, the good news is that conference play is starting. Uh, while we while we still have plenty to talk about, uh, it's not that I don't enjoy our conversations. It, it will go a little uh, go a little quicker, I guess. And uh, but lots of good football going on this week. One that that you brought up earlier, and we'll start there is Coastal visiting visiting ULM. I had no idea that that Coastal had never won at ULM. So to me, that brings up something right there. I do think ULM is a better football team than what we've seen in the past, but how good is a question. And also does coastal Carolina's lucky rabbit foot finally slip out of their pocket? The it's, it's funny that somebody from this league has something to hold over coastal because for a couple of years, they were five and seven, five and seven. But then 2020 comes, almost half the country says we can't play because of COVID. Coastal takes advantage of it, and they really haven't stopped. So their fans now believe that that's what the norm is going to be. And look, Georgia Southern fans dealt with something similar to this in 2014, going 8-0 in conference. But as we're realizing, the road in the FBS is a lot more difficult. App State was awful out of the gate in 2014. Credit to them. They've established something. They haven't won fewer than nine games per year since 2015. Coastal, though, they look at this as probably the one thing that they need to scratch off or cross off because they've done just about everything else in the league. They have not – they've beaten ULM, but they haven't won at ULM. And let's remember that a win over the Warhawks gets them to bowl eligibility, which that would be the first team in the league to get to six wins. So this is – there's some meaning behind this besides just them taking a trip down to down to Monroe. Very interesting. Very interesting. See, that's why, that's why we talk because you always share some, some insignificant fact with me that I find interesting. So, cause I'm full of worthless information, but moving on a uh, game that'll be on the NFL network Saturday evening. James Madison against Arkansas State visiting Arkansas State. That's another game that I that I think that James Madison needs to come out and prove that they're the, they're the better team. I do think Arkansas State's a better team again than they were last year, which is not hard to do because last year they were really really bad. But what does James Mad- James Madison need to do to keep that ball rolling? Well, the, the the cool thing about James Madison and everybody else in the league is going to figure this out is that they are probably the most confident team considering their situation as can be. Whether it's Kurt Signetti, whether it's their players, they believe this is where they belong. And so far, it hasn't been a daunting schedule outside of that impressive win at App State, which that, that's a generational win. That, that, that's something that people don't do. Number one, you don't go to Boone and win, and you don't come back from 25 down to do it. But outside of that, their schedule hasn't been all that difficult. This is another road trip against a team that they're better than. They're a two-score favorite in this game. But for this year, this is going to be the prove-it year. They're not winning a conference championship. They're not going to a bowl game. They're not eligible for anything in the postseason. They're only playing 11 games. And we talked about their situation with the league last week in regards to revenue share and all that jazz. 
But if they're going to set themselves up for the future of this league, then the present is what's going to get them there. And as far as they're concerned, they've got one of the league's best quarterbacks. They've got probably the league's best defense. Ordinarily, that would be reserved for Troy, but nobody is kicking what James Madison is kicking right now. Their, their defense has been otherworldly, especially against the run. And I'm curious to see how they respond because there is a realistic chance that if they win this game and get to 5-0, and they're a ranked team coming to Statesboro next weekend. That's you see, there we go. Intriguing and in tidbits. But don't you think though that I, I know at the time the middle Tennessee game, yeah, they won 44 to 7. Middle Tennessee is a horrible team. But then Middle Tennessee goes to beat Colorado State and beats the University of Miami. Uh, you know, that 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 wins a little better now than you think it was at the beginning of the season. Do you not? Yeah, but you can't just assume that it's better because Miami is a power five, because we're still under the assumption that Miami is Miami. It's, it's the, it's the program. We think about the history of the program and I know Mario Cristobal is going to win there eventually, but where they are right now, it's not where they want to be yet because if, if they are where they think they are, they beat Middle Tennessee four or five scores. And Middle Tennessee, actually, I think they got a 98 or a 99-yard touchdown in that game, too, which is probably as much of an insult against a Power 5 if you're a G5 as, as what you can imagine. I mean, you, you lose games like that every now and then, but you don't give up plays like that. That, that, that That's a pretty big insult against Miami. Uh, I, I agree. Um, and we may have talked about this in the past. Uh, I love the, the T-shirts that Miami of Ohio have uh, that says that we were a university before Florida was a state in, in, re, in regards to we're Miami. We're not Miami. We're not Miami of Ohio. We're Miami. That's funny. So. Uh, I, I've got to give me one of those. I, I've, the first time I saw that, I'm going like, yeah, I can get out. I, I can go for these guys. So, all right. Uh, Troy Southern Miss, the, uh, again, uh, a Western Conference game, I think is a good matchup. I don't think Southern Miss is where they need to be. But at the same time, they went in and beat a 4-0 two-lane team last week. What, what, who do you see in this game? It, it should be Troy, but for Southern Miss, they're, they're having quarterback issues again, but they've got Frank Gore Jr. in the backfield, which means they're going to have a chance. I, I, I don't I don't see a way that they beat Troy, though. If, if they do things right, they'll be in it, but I just I, I think that Troy's got too much, and especially on defense. I, I don't know that Southern Miss is going to be able to score enough points to beat them. I, I agree. I mean, there's not a whole lot. To, I mean, I, I just don't see uh, Troy um, – dropping that one especially um knowing that it's a western conference game so uh, we talked about it last week as well the uh, the we said we'd hate to be the team that's playing app state after they lost the game and the citadel got punished for being that team although app would have probably punished them anyway but is, is this something similar for app state going into texas state 
is it time for App State to come out and say, all right, we played a couple of close games. This is our game to to put away from a Sun Belt Conference opponent? I, I, I felt like I'm saying the same thing every week about Texas State, but if, if they don't get a win at some point against a team that they're not supposed to beat, I don't know how Jake Spavadol survives. And I, 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 hate, I hate saying that because he is such a good dude. I've, I've loved getting a chance to meet up with him at media days. I think that he knows what he's doing. I just, for whatever reason, don't understand why it's not working. And what hurts is that defensively, they're good enough. They've been consistently a top 40 defense, but they just do not score points. They have not had a running game. I know that Calvin Hill had his big game earlier this year, but they have not had a running game. Even getting Lane Hatcher and Lincoln Perry, it just, it hasn't clicked. And and, and I hate it for him because I think they've got the resources for it, but it, it, it's been a really – it's been a struggle for them ever since they moved up. Outside of one season where they won seven games, and I think the league had three bowl tie-ins that year, so they didn't go to anything in the postseason. It, it's it's going to be really difficult for them to win that game. But maybe App isn't as good as we think. They did what they were supposed to do against the Citadel, but maybe they are finally starting to slip a little bit. They, they've got the talent but maybe there are finally some chinks in the armor and maybe they're taking a little bit of a dip. I'm, I'm just floating that they might come out and win 42 to seven, but maybe a game like this for Texas state would finally be the show me game for Spavadol. Does Texas, can, can you survive though, taking in as many transfers as they have over the years? I mean, I know, I know it, it's working at South Alabama this year, but in the long run, can you survive continue? Because it seems to me that sooner or later, you're going to get a guy that's going to be a problem child. I mean, the, it depends. Okay. There, there's no way to say it's a sweeping yes or no, because schemes are different injuries, other circumstances. But I just know that for the most part, whatever they have tried to do has not worked. And it, it, it's unfortunate because I do think that they're trying to go about it the right way. But if they don't start showing progress, it's going to be tough to justify doing things that way for a whole lot longer. Okay. Uh, our final game, uh, Georgia Southern, not state visiting Georgia state. Um this was a game, I think, that a lot of people at the beginning of the year that felt Georgia State would win. I think there's some people that have changed their mind now. And I, I know you're I, I'm not specifically about winning the game, but what, what does Georgia Southern need to do visiting Atlanta to, to, to take, take away the victory or in, in that sense? Well, Vegas still thinks that Georgia State is going to win if that, if that tells you anything. Okay, uh, I think they're uh, at last check. I think they're ready for from a two and a half to three point favorite. It, it's 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 right down to the wire. They're getting the home line, but I mean, it, like I said earlier, if Georgia Southern doesn't stop Georgia State's run, it's going to be very tough for them to win. And then for the Eagles on offense, they've got to neutralize Georgia State's pass rush from their linebackers, whether it's whether it's John Trey Hunter or Jamil Muhammad. They love to send pressure from the weak side with Muhammad, a guy that went to Georgia State as a quarterback, but he's turned out to be a really nice outside linebacker. 
they're different on their defensive line. They don't have the star power that they did, but it's the same kind of philosophy, guys. They just work harder than the opposing offensive lines, and they just disrupt people. But they, they are starting to miss their their linebacker, Captain Blake Carroll. He, he got hurt against Charlotte really early in the season, so he's been out the last couple of weeks. He's not going to come back this year. Jordan Benzial has had to step forward. He's been really good. He's number two in the league in tackles behind Old Dominion, Jason Henderson, and I don't think that anybody's catching Henderson because he's about 30 tackles up on everybody else. He's, he's averaged about 50 tackles a game this year. But with, with Benzial, if Georgia Southern can get him into passing situations, then if you make him defend a receiver – that's where Georgia Southern needs to be. They need to find their matchups and then take advantage when they can exploit those matchups and still be able to run the football too. So Vegas, or at least ESPN, is still showing Georgia State by two and a half. But like you said, that's essentially the three points for being the home team. Um, is this a game, though, that you guys bring more fans than they do? Yes. So, I mean, it was – kind of a rhetorical question but i'm glad you answered it let me just put it this way picture the cajuns going to warhawk field and when ulm takes the field the only thing you hear is booze well we've kind of had a couple of those like. <laughs> yeah. that is what it is like when georgia southern goes to atlanta i'm not gonna lie i think it was 2012 that did happen we had okay. a really good crowd up there so but hey might have been another year, but it's all blending together now. Um, any last words of wisdom? We've kind of hit hit through all the games. I know we'll, we'll talk next week, uh, hopefully before the Cajuns visit Marshall. Um, if if uh, and I'll make sure that my schedule is available if, if we can get hooked up. So it'll be that's a that, that's a Tuesday trip to Huntington, isn't it? Yes, it is. Cajuns leave Tuesday afternoon. We'll return early Thursday morning. So my guess is that teams are going to figure out more about themselves this week than any other week, because this is the halfway point for most teams. This is game six and you're either trying to keep doing what you're doing, get better at what you're doing, or you're in a situation where the first half of the season doesn't cut it. And you got to figure out why, and you got to make rapid improvements. But in this league, if you don't improve quickly, you're going to get left behind. And that's not just true for this year. That is true for the future of this league. Because as you've seen, what this league is capable of, it's only going to keep getting more and more difficult to be a good team in this conference. I don't see anything on the schedule. Uh, I Taking the Georgia Southern heading to Georgia State game, as anything, I think you can beat them up there. But the rest of the games, I don't – well, I say that, and then I, I'm looking. I think if Troy was headed to Southern Miss, it might be an opportunity for Southern Miss. And the Coastal-ULM game, I guess – but Coastal is a 13-and-a-half point favorite. Is that too much? Mm. I know it does. That's probably about right. I mean, I know it. I I know it's going to be easy to look back if 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 they don't and say, well, you know, but all of Coastal's games have been close. But then again, ULM just went up to Arkansas State and didn't perform as well as they should have either. It seems like ULM's problem is 
if they don't score on big plays, they don't score. Because for all the good that Chandler Rogers has done through the air, I think he's only thrown four touchdown passes. Yeah. So if it's not coming on the big play, they're forcing themselves into a corner. Very true. All right, man. We'll save travels, and I appreciate you uh, coming on last minute like this. I said it's been a crazy busy uh, couple weeks this last couple weeks, and with baseball season starting, I have other duties I need to attend to, and it's kind of funny saying baseball season starting with the baseball playoffs starting and the MLB season winding down. And I Well, neither of our teams are in it, so you don't have anything to worry about. Well, you know, and that was probably – I, I knew they weren't going to make it, Danny, but we'd beaten the Cubs two games in a row on uh, Monday and Tuesday, and then they go lay the biggest freaking egg possible. I think we got beat yesterday 15-2 to two by the freaking Cubs. Oh. Well, here's how things are in Pirate Land. A year ago, Pittsburgh lost 101 games. This year, they lost 100 games. So, by golly, Jolly Roger, there is improvement. <laughs> well, uh, I think it was just two years ago, and granted, it was during COVID. The Reds made the uh, Red made Reds made the uh, playoffs, although they didn't score a run. I think became the first team not to score a run in a playoff round. But uh, that is correct. And uh, you know what the interesting – well, first of all, your Pirates, the last uh, series of the season, swept my Reds, and both teams finished at 62 and 100. My God, are we bad. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that the youth movement is going to help them next year. Hopefully Mitch Keller can build off some things. Key Brian Hayes was playing hurt most of the year. And as long as Brian Reynolds is somebody they build around, I think they've got a chance. But if they end up trading him, then it's more of a, okay, let's let's look to the future. Let's look to the future. But I know Pirates fans outside of those three years from 13 through 15 are tired of hearing that. But that that's the decision of those that sign the checks. So until they make a full commitment to winning at the major league level, then – the best you're going to hope for is 70 to 75 wins and maybe scratching out a wild card here and there. Otherwise it's going to be a lot more of the seasons that we just saw. Well, the, the good news, like similar to yours was the youth movement bringing in uh, um, probably a dozen guys that were rookies that played. I think the reds uh, played the most players in a major league baseball season this year. Uh, but at the same time, there are three, there are three main guys starting pitchers at the end of the season. I think set rookie records or something like that for innings pitch. So uh, the future is okay, but it's not, it's not where you want to be. You don't want to be talking about the future every year. So well, the, the things you hope for, for teams like that is that once you get to September 1st, that the guys that are playing are trying to earn jobs and that just aren't trying to finish the season. Yep. No, it, it's been fun, and uh, the, I'll leave you this. The one thing that we can say is we're not the Washington Nationals that lost 107 games. So we can always look for the positive in things. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Danny, 
thank you for your time. Appreciate it as always. You got it, buddy. You've been listening and we're talking with Craig Molossana. And tonight we've been talking football, Sunbelt Conference football, Major League Baseball, and some of the shittiest teams that have played the game this year with Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Tonight. We're talking Sunbelt Conference football with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. And you keep that foolishness up, and I'm going to say something that I'm not supposed to say, but that's okay. It's funny. Craig, I've known you seven years, and you do that every day. Yeah, I know. So, how are we doing tonight? Oh, we're doing all right. Hope you're doing well, too, bud. I am. It's uh it's a beautiful been beautiful all week in the mid 80s and uh no sun i'm uh taking off early to see baseball tomorrow and saturday so uh we've got some inter-squad scrimmages so excited excited baseball season's right around the corner (laughs) yeah georgia southern's got a scrimmage this weekend against south georgia states at j.i clements and then two weeks later usc upstate will be down and then after that I think the next week they'll do their Fall World Series, which is the annual Who Gets Hot Dogs and Who Gets Steaks. Ah, ours used to be uh, steaks and and beans was the losing team. But if you ever had red beans around here, it's not exactly like you're eating something that's bad. That's a good point. (laughs) So, uh, now we have Tulane uh, late October and LSU is visiting uh, Russo Park, uh, November 13th. So. so I would I would think that that LSU game, I know that's right at the start of basketball season, but I would think that LSU game would get a good bit of attention. Yeah, uh, I, I have a feeling that we'll probably have, I would think a couple thousand people there. So, which good would be on nice. Jay Johnson for that. What's that? Good on Jay for doing that for you guys. Yeah, we went there last year, so I think he was returning. We go there this year. We he can't. We went there last year in the fall, and we are going there in the spring again. So uh, I've not seen. I've seen this year's schedule, but I haven't seen next year. I would imagine it's about time for them to visit back at Russo Park. Sure. So, and I know at one time there was talk of with Coach Robichaux, but this was before. Uh, this was when Maneri was still there, uh, playing one in Baton Rouge, one in Lafayette, and then one in New Orleans. Yeah. But uh, different schedule. That I think that was before somebody else joined the SEC, and I, it was probably before you guys joined the Sun Belt, and it kind of screwed up schedules. So, but still looking forward to baseball season already. But I'm looking forward to. Uh, this weekend, but let's talk last weekend in football. Uh, ULM at Arkansas State. How much of a surprise was that? Uh, uh, not looking at, I mean, strictly looking at the, f- the final score, uh, 45-28. I expected the Warhawks to be a little bit more competitive, and they might have been. But, you know, it, it's it's strictly looking at the score. That was a, that was a big spread, 17 points. Yeah, but the difference in the game was Johnny Lang. I mean, he runs a kickback. He has a rushing touchdown. He has a receiving touchdown. So 
I think that that was what the third time in conference history that that had happened. So he was literally by himself, the difference in that game. Well, that, that makes a, a whole lot of sense. Although I am looking at Arkansas state's uh, passing 25 for 32 is a pretty good day, no matter who you are and what team you're playing. So uh, 254 yards, two D two D TDs, which is easy for me to say, but yeah, um, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I, I was, maybe I was hoping for a little bit more out of the Warhawks after the Cajuns went up there and got beat in Monroe. But. I mean, there, there's always the chance that ULM was looking ahead. I, I don't know that that's what happened, but ULM's got coastal this weekend and coastal's never won at Warhawk field. They, I think they finally beat them for the first time. Uh, might've been just last year that in Conway and they, they ran away with that game, but I know they've never won at Warhawk field and I'm not saying that's what happened, but I mean, our Arkansas state has always been a team that's been tough to beat out and out at Centennial bank. And when you got somebody like Johnny Lang, usually he was somebody that was just a returner, but now I think he's leading them in rushing. And if they're getting involved in a number of ways, it looks like they've realized that he's not just somebody that can, catch a kick he's somebody that can run the football and catch a pass too and well he did it all last weekend absolutely that that that's a interesting comment about ulm uh coastal never have winning there and we'll talk about them in the next segment because they head to warrock field this week but yeah centennial park is our bank park i believe is the proper name or stadium centennial bank stadium uh, it is a tough place to play. The Cajuns have known that throughout the year, the years playing up there. So, uh, this is one I expected more out of Army, but Georgia State goes up to Army and finally gets their their act together and jumps out to a seventeen nothing lead at the halftime. But still, any surprises there? I mean, I know Army's not, you know, they're they're one in three on the season now, but at the same time, uh. I, I just expected a little bit more out of Army. Well, Army's only lost seven home games in the last seven years, and I know they're one and three now, but to go up there for them to play as well as they did, like we talked about it last week, if Georgia State didn't get that game and you're 0-5 going into this weekend against Georgia Southern, that would have made things awfully difficult to get back to a bowl. But watching that Army game, they controlled Army in the first half. They, they did whatever they wanted to with their run game, with their pass game. They went three and out, or actually in the third quarter, they had a long drive to start. They missed a field goal. Their next drive, after Army got a touchdown, they turned it over on a fumble. Jemias Williams had a long run, but he turned it over. Army goes back down and scores. Georgia State gives it back to him, and then Army's got a fourth and goal inside the one, and Georgia State gets the stop with nine minutes left in the game, and then they get those two late touchdowns to make it a bigger margin. But I think the game ended up the way that it should have been final score wise. It just took a different route to get there. Georgia State was in control for a lot more of the game than Army was. They gave up a lot of yards on the ground because that's all that Army does. They only completed one pass in the game. But it was impressive to watch Georgia State be in control at a place where Army's not used to being handled. And you just wonder if the same thing that happened to them last year is going to happen this year where they start slow and then they just get hot and run raw shot over everybody. Yeah, I'm just looking at one for seven completions for Army. But at the same time, Georgia State, only eight for 12, only eight, 12 passes. I mean, was that was probably the game plan, though, because they knew Army would control the clock. So well, in turn, what 
to them. Army didn't get very good run fits. So a lot of times it was Tucker Gregg and Jemias Williams. They were running second level before they were, before they were even getting touched. And Jemias had a long touchdown run in the second quarter. Greg had, I think it was a 56-yarder to close out the game. He ended up setting the school record for rushing touchdowns with that carry, and it really put things out of reach. But for Georgia Southern to have that game as the one to watch more than maybe the other ones, they probably realized that if they don't stop the run Saturday, it's going to be a long day. But if you control Greg Williams and if they go to Marcus Carroll or any kind of combination they try to use in the backfield if you make Darren Granger a pocket passer you got a shot he wants to throw on the run super athlete he wants to throw on the run he wants to use all that ability but if they don't run and you make him a pocket passer you basically do what Coastal did to them and force all those three and outs hold them to under 80 yards rushing and basically they took them out of their game plan on their field a couple Thursdays ago. Yeah, 300 yards rushing for Georgia State, but at the same time, and they won the game, but at this, and I don't know why I'm saying at the same time, but Army held the ball for th- almost 39 minutes of, of the game. It's That's crazy. The this year, they're last in the country in time of possession, but because they're going so fast, they're still they're only holding the ball 23 minutes a game. They're running 70 plays a game. So they're snapping the ball every 10 seconds. They are going, this is the fastest they've gone. Since Sean Elliott got there, he's got a new offensive coordinator. They had Brad Glenn last year. He went to Vautech. They promoted Josh Stepp. He was going to be the OC during the spring, but then he takes the job at Louisville under Satterfield. So Trent McKnight is running the offense, and it's the same idea with the run in the pass, but it's it's the tempo where they're really setting themselves apart this year, snapping the ball every 10 to 12 seconds. So that's what teams – really need to be on guard for because a lot of times with their run game they'll run the same play multiple times in a row because the defense doesn't think that you're going to do that but it's either successful enough that they want to go back to the well or they find a tendency where they think that they can exploit it multiple times in a row i've always been one whether it's playing madden football or watching a football game i'm going to run the same play if you don't stop me until you stop me and then sometimes, I'm going to run something else and come back to it. Sometimes real life is a video game. And what it is, that's when it's usually the most fun. So, all right. We've talked enough about Georgia State. Uh, uh, this The next game, uh, Texas State going up to JMU, I think was, I, I know people are going to say Texas State's not a very good ball club. JMU should have won and should have won big like they did. But at the same time, it was one that I felt that JMU needed to make a statement because it would have been easy after their last couple wins to fall flat, flat on their face. Especially coming off the app game where they win 28 to or they're down 23 and then they come back score the last 29 points. But there was bad weather that entire game. I think they got the, the remnants of Ian. And even though Texas State ran the ball better than anybody did against JMU all year, they still barely eclipsed 100 yards. So I, th- I think there is something to James Madison, and it's even more impressive that a year ago they were playing an FCS schedule, but it's an illustration how they've recruited at this level for a while, and now they're, they're getting a chance to show that talent. Todd Centeno, their quarterback, is probably in the discussion for player of the year at this point with what he can do with his arm and also, also with his speed. He's only thrown one interception in the first part of the season. And, look, I'm not going to say that they should stub their toe at Arkansas State Road 
travel is tough. They, they don't go to central time very much unless they're playing at North Dakota State in the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. But they, they've never played anybody from Arkansas. They've never been to Arkansas. It'll, it'll be different for them. But I think that their talent is enough that if they just do what they're supposed to do, they should be able to beat Arkansas State. I agree. Um, Old Dominion at Liberty. You know, it, the game was in the fourth quarter what I expected it to be, 14-14. You know, but at the same time, Liberty pulls away at the end. And I guess I'm, I, I'm trying to see when they scored that last touchdown. Well, with about seven minutes left in the game to really put it away, which it still wasn't put away at that point. But I, I guess I expect Old Dominion's defense to be a little bit better than they were. Did I miss something there? Well, especially with Liberty, because what were they going to be like without Malik Willis? Malik Willis was one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year, regardless of if you're G5 or Power 5. But how are they going to be able to move on? Their, their starter actually got hurt. Charlie Brewer broke his thumb really early this season, and they've been playing backups for a little minute, but they've been able to recruit enough talent, and they've been able to put things together the right way where losing somebody, a generational talent like Willis, they haven't skipped a beat. I that it, it's kind of a little bit scary, but uh, I'm kind of expecting them to move into a conference USA if they can keep that up and and possibly even dominate that conference. But I would anticipate them being the clear favorite in conference USA next year. Uh, Troy going over to Western Kentucky. Um, a little bit of surprise on my part again. I thought Troy's defense is the strength of their team, but they allowed Western Kentucky to stay in the game by only give, by giving up 27 points. Uh, it, odd to you or not really? Well, Western Kentucky is always going to be gifted on the offensive end. And, you know, Georgia Southern, we can say that because offensive coordinator Brian Ellis was there last year along with Zach Kidley. And even though Kidley also left, he's running the offense at Texas Tech. Now there's still going to be a team with that scheme that, well, the Cajuns are going to find out in November that Georgia Southern is going to get their yards. I don't know if they're going to be able to get the points that they want. And I mean, we get to the Coastal game, we'll talk about that because the field goals should have been touchdowns. But the offense is just so tough to stop because there's just so many built-in checks with the run in the pass game that if you're a defense, you've really got to pick what you want to stop. And if you choose, the odds are you're going to be wrong more often than not. But with Western Kentucky, the guy that beat them was a guy that was fighting to be their starting quarterback in the spring, Jared Daggy. Daggy was at West Virginia, transfers to Western Kentucky to compete for the job, loses the job, transfers to Troy in the, I think it was either mid to late August, and he ends up coming in the fourth quarter for Gunnar Watson, and he ends up throwing the game when he touched, he throws two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. And Troy's three and two, but remember, without the Hail Mary, they're probably a four and one team against App. And now there's some things up in the air. Is Watson going to start this week against Southern Miss? Is Daggy going to start? That that's been kept pretty close to the vest. But what they proved last week is that they got two guys that can beat you at any time. Yeah, that that's an interesting. I forgot about that. I knew uh, Daggy had not won the starting job at the beginning of the season, but I did not know. He came in for that game. Again, it just amazes me. Uh, the strength of the team has been their defense, but you give up 39 of 57 passing 
for 406 yards and three touchdowns. Well, but- it's it's basically been Troy's offense because Gunnar Watson, uh, Kyle Van Treese leads the league in passing, but Gunnar Watson leads the league in yards per game and total offense. So it's 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 a similar idea. I think Troy isn't as much of an RPO. They're still not really getting that ground game involved a ton, even though Billingsley had a good game last weekend against Western Kentucky. But it's it's a Troy team that's making it pretty clear. They're going back to the days of Corey Robinson and even a little bit of Brandon Silvers. But even those Silvers teams under Neil Brown, they wanted to run the football. They had Chun. They had Anderson. But this is a Troy team that's almost running just to keep you off balance, but they want to throw the football a bunch. Uh, I'm looking here. I, I noticed something, and it kind of it kind of caught my eye on the uh, on on the on the sheet here. Kyle Robichaux uh, led led Western Kentucky in in rushing yards. So I was curious: is is he from Louisiana? Well, no, he's from Columbus, Georgia. I'm not sure what the <laughs> hell a Robichaux is doing over there. But hey, uh, I guess it works. Um, do do do. Oh, I did have it up. The Cajuns in South Alabama. Uh, Cajuns hosting South Alabama. Uh, we talked off the air. I thought it was the best game we played yet. And uh, Jay mentioned it on a couple of shows and everything that he thought the Cajuns would play better, but he didn't know if it would be good enough to beat South Alabama. Did you get a chance to follow that game at all? I know you guys started later, in which we'll talk about the reason why a little bit after I this did, game. I did see that the Cajuns had the early lead, and then I'd seen that South had come back to win. I didn't realize until late that it was on a walk-off field goal, and it was funny because wasn't it? It was Wajardo that had a chance to win it at Mobile last year, misses the field goal, the Cajuns get out of there with a close win. So I guess it was history's way of rewarding South and – not just for last season, but really their first dozen years since having a team. And this this is definitely their best team. And after this weekend, they should well, – actually, they're off this weekend. But, but they, they should be inching closer and closer to getting back to a bowl and probably having their first winning season. And like we talked about, if the Cajuns lost that game, it probably made South be the front runner in the West. The only team that is going to hunt with them now at this point is Troy and they do meet on a Thursday night in a couple of weeks so that is going to be a bigger game than what it typically is I know that's the battle for the belt and all that and it's it's a nice midweek game but it typically hasn't meant who's going to win a division because Troy controlled the east for a little bit south has always been a team that's had the ability to win the west but they've never been in position to do so because of success like the Cajuns in Arkansas State but now the door is open, and that looks like it's going to be South's only roadblock to winning the West this year, unless the Cajuns get hot. Otherwise, I don't see anybody else being able to hold up with them. Yeah, Guardo hits a 43-yarder as time expires. Uh, well, not as time expires. 42 seconds left to, to win the game. And I, I'm, that, that one was straight down the middle. I think it would have been good from almost 60. So congrats to the young man there. Uh, after having what happened to him in Mofield in front of his own crowd. Uh, I don't feel like that anybody in the stadium felt like he wasn't, it wasn't going to happen twice. So um, time of possession, very close with both teams, but at the same time, uh, more yardage for South Alabama. 
Uh, the final game that we'll talk about is you guys went up to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina wouldn't move the game to Sunday because of the hurricane. You guys were affected by the hurricane. Uh, they were affected by the hurricane. Probably them more so uh, in, in the sense that that's where uh, it, it, it the, the hurricane came back to, on landfall there. But um, So you guys flew up the day of the game. How was that and everything as far as the flight and the atmosphere on the flight for you guys? Yeah, the team left on Saturday morning, and we didn't realize until afterwards that they were actually going to stay on Saturday night because with the amount of driving that the bus drivers had to do, it just it wouldn't have been safe for the team to come back. They would have gotten back at 4 in the morning. And just not not a not a good situation. So the team stayed the night in in Conway, Myrtle Beach. Got back in Sunday afternoon, and then as soon as they got off the buses, they went right into film. So it wasn't a huge deal. They would have met on Sundays anyway, and they would have Monday off, just like most teams in the country do. But I, th- I think they proved that even with all that to deal with, they were the better team for the first forty eight minutes of the game. I me mean, me Coastal has crushed people at home for two plus years now they've, they've only lost one home game in their last 17 tries going into that game and georgia southern was up 10 points with 12 minutes left but then coastal started finding the big plays they they got the the long pass to brown they got the longer pass to brown and then beasley with uh, the hurdle job i know they're calling it the myrtle hurdle or whatever and they can make t-shirts and that's all cute and that, that's what ended up winning them the game but while George Southern was kicking field goals at the end, Coastal was scoring touchdowns. Same number of possessions. Georgia Southern didn't stop scoring, but if you get six instead of three, Coastal probably doesn't win. You had the clock issue with just over two minutes left. Coastal committed a personal foul that knocked an eagle runner out of bounds. The clock should have run when the ball got reset inside the five. It did not. Coastal didn't have to call its timeout, so there would have been anywhere around 30 to 50 seconds less than the clock. So that's something that didn't help the Eagles, but don't let it come down to that. You won't have to worry about it, but there's a reason why Grace McCall is the two-time player of the year. He made enough plays, made some great plays down the stretch. Well, I, as you know, I was very, dis- I'm very disappointed when y'all lose, especially to them. So um, it's just another reason for our fans uh, to hate them. I'm sorry. I got no use for the, the COVID chickens. So um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back uh, and we'll talk about this week's upcoming game. Even though we mentioned them a little bit, we'll get into them a little bit more because I, th- I find them interesting. Cajuns are off this week. So uh, I'm going to have an opportunity to watch a lot of football. You've been listening to We're Talking, Craig Malasa and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We'll be right back after this brief timeout. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. 